Hey, Web3 Explorers, get ready for this special episode as we bring you not one, not two, but four exclusive interviews from this year's consensus event held in Austin, Texas. From groundbreaking blockchain-based operating systems to the latest developments in the gaming industry and beyond, this episode has got you covered. Tune in to gain unique insights, hear from industry experts, and explore the cutting-edge advancements shaping the future of blockchain technology. Welcome to the Edge of NFT podcast with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. We aim to bring you not only the top 1% of what's going on with NFTs today, but what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, but also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things that we love. This podcast is for the futurists and dreamers, the disruptors and creators, the fans and connectors, and the makers and doers that are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Live at the Consensus Austin 2023, and excited to be here with Toby Rush, the CEO and co-founder of Redeem. Great to meet with you, Toby, and uh, have a chance to chat for a minute. No, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, remind me, where, where are you based, and, and what brought you sure. to the event? You know, uh, based in Kansas City, been there for 20 years. Um, I think I must like pain because this is my third startup from scratch. Um, so I love building really pretty advanced technologies, but always focused around simplicity, convenience, um, really things that really touch users to make their lives better. That's cool. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit before, but uh, we love to talk about the edge of utility and real world use cases that make it easier for every human to, to yep. benefit from Web3. And so we were particularly interested in, in what you're doing. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit more about Redeem, sure. how it works, how you came up with this idea. Yeah, well, I'll start with kind of the origin story because it really, I think, speaks to both the challenge and the opportunity. So um, about a year and a half ago, I dove back into Web3 and blockchain. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many projects, so many interesting things of everything happening the one that fascinated me the most were NFTs, right? NFTs, smart contracts, allowing everyday people to own a little hold, a little piece of digital asset to own, a little piece of digital asset outside the traditional walled gardens of Apple, Google, Microsoft, Ticketmaster, Visa, government, name your big ecosystem. But if it's going to be held in an open ecosystem, how do you maintain trust? But that's exactly what NFTs could do. And so my entrepreneur mind was literally like, we could do this and we could do this, like all these really cool ideas. And as I began to think through the user journey, I was like, whoa. That is no way. That is just way too hard. That, you know, a big believer in, you know, change is hard, right? New mental models are hard. You've got to make it so it already fit into the natural flow of what people are doing. Like, you got to remove steps. Don't add steps. And so as I started thinking, oh, sorry. So as I started thinking about, uh, I mean, how do you make this easier? It's like, you know, I bet someone's figured out how to use phone numbers and phones as a hack to make this better. And as I started looking in the market, like, nobody was doing it. And the more I thought about it, the more like, this seems like a really good idea. Maybe I should go do this infrastructure as a phone layer. Um, and kind of our tagline is like, how do you make it, you know, simplify and accelerate the path to experience, specifically Web3 experiences, by linking a phone number, blockchain wallets, and activations. Very cool. And yeah, obviously there's a segment of Web3 users that don't want their phone to be used, but I think a lot of people are extremely comfortable mm -hmm. with, with using their phones and, and prefer it. A lot of event systems now connect with your phones. Um, I, I prefer text, right? Yep. And, and a lot of people feel the same way. So I, I think it's a, a really important use case to sort of flesh out. 
and as you know, as this continues to mature and you're, you're getting people who are like, yes, the, like a Josh, right? And even myself, like I, I prefer the, the text messages, like how has it been received and, and what are the sure. use cases you, you're already starting to see? Yeah, so the way that our flow works is we're not passing the phone number around everywhere. Um, we're onboarding you. So one of the unique things that we're doing is rather than as a company sending you a text message, which does have some security holes, if you simply flip that model, and so a user is sending our backend a text message, which is actually incredibly secure. Because even if someone were to see it, you can't change it, right? And so you click on a link or scan a QR code, that pops up a text message, pre-populated, the two is filled out, the content, and you hit send. That is the entire onboarding process. No app to download, there's no form to fill out, and then we'll send you back a link that's to our, our, an artist, or to the brand's website, or to the ticketing, whatever the thing is you're trying to access, because I want an NFT, because I want to unlock something. I'm not getting an NFT to sit in my wallet and do nothing. And so we send that link back, they click on that link and they're automatically loaded into our partner's app. But as a part of that process, we're dropping an authentication token into the secure element on the phone. So when you come back, it's not like you have to send another text message. We know this browser is now linked to this phone number and is linked to these various wallets, whether we spin up a custodial wallet or you can link a MetaMask or Coinbase or Rainbow um, and kind of make that your default wallet. We're just trying to make it simple for the consumer. Well, so you can use multiple wallets. You can work with MetaMask or, or other wallets. Um, is this cross cross chain at this point? It is. When you think about, um, so if you're on your device, and we're working with uh, one of our customers who they could be on Solana, they could be on Flow, they could be on Avalanche, whatever they happen to be on. If they want to drop a token, it's like great. Um, we know you spin up a default wallet, or if you already have a wallet, all you have to do on the same device as your phone, sign a message with that wallet. Now we know this phone number is also linked to this wallet. Again, that information is off-chain, secured, highly private. So that we want to make sure is really secure. That, that shouldn't be public. Um, but from a consumer, letting my phone number be linked to a wallet across any of these ecosystems. So then when I do token gating, when I show up, like for us, ticketing is a beautiful use case because I can scan a QR code. It launches the browser. This browser and that, that, that token, that QR code, is essentially a gating link. It says, does this phone belong to, uh, have a possession of a wallet that holds this NFT? So we make everything completely seamless to the user. So they scan the QR code, and what we return is the NFT. They don't have to find the app, they don't have to find the NFT, they don't have to show a QR code, completely so, seamless. So the, the flip side, or the balancing act with simplicity is security. Uh, what if um, someone steals my phone number, SIM swap, nope. or, you know, I, I, I change numbers. Um, you know, how do I sort of make sure that uh, all that all that stay work secure. and that yep. stay secure and that I don't lose access to anything? Right. Excellent question. So, two different questions. Um, actually, the solution to the is the same. So when we, I, I thought that, that's why I kind of combined them together. Yes. So when you uh, we talked about that flow right there. I mean, we put a we put a secure authentication token down in your hardware on the phone, right? So every time that phone loads, hey, we've seen this phone, we know this phone, we know this phone. If somebody SIM swaps you, they're going to AT&T and said, hey, 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 I lost my phone. I really need someone else to give me my phone. Can you change it? I'm, I'm really John Smith. No, trust me, I'm really John Smith. And if that AT&T clerk gives you a new phone, you try to connect our platform, we're gonna say, wait, this is a new phone. So you have to do two things. Now, you have to send us a text message, but you have the phone, right? But we also put a really simple six-digit pin, right? Just like you do on your phone. Mm. Everybody has a six-digit pin. 
everybody knows their pin, and so you, you can also rate limit it, right? And so even if someone were to try to get your phone and then try to start cranking on, just brute forcing it, you're gonna know within hours that your phone has been SIM swapped, it's gonna get shut down. So a six digit pin is actually more than sufficient um, as a backup. But you only have to enter the six digit pin is when you change phone numbers. I see. Or if someone SIM swaps it. So as long as you can possess a phone and remember a six digit pin, and you only need that six digit pin when you change phone numbers, that's convenient. Makes sense. And making it that convenient and making sure that the security is there, uh, essential. But of course, the use case of getting all these people on easily uh, is, is its own hurdle of, of, of having people come on and, and experience that. But I feel like as soon, soon as someone comes in and sees how easy it is just to put in your phone number and start using, like, how have you seen both retention and just yep. as you keep adding more features, like more and more people are like, oh my gosh, this is great. Right, so as Redeem, we're building an infrastructure and scaffolding around the phone number. We're not actually doing the end utility. So the companies we're working with are doing the ticketing, they're doing the loyalty, they're doing the gaming company, NFT powered games. And so they love it because they, they, they can stop educating and get straight to experience. So I would say that uh, the folks that have used it, we do a lot of live events just because the idea of scanning a QR code, the ticketing is really powerful. We love the idea of, of game, NFT powered games. So imagine um, I've got an NFT powered game, and NFTs are in-game assets. It's a, it's a sword, it's a loot box, it's a power up, it's a skin, it's an avatar, right? And I've got a new upgrade to my game and I go on social media and there's an influencer and say, hey everybody, there's a new release, um, here's a link and you click on this link, we're gonna give you a new power up in the game, a loot box, and this new skin. But it's like something to do with that influencer, right? They click on that link, it automatically adds that NFT to their wallet, they get redirected into the game, it loaded, authenticated, ready to play with an NFT. All they did was click a single link, right? But so now you can take this kind of offline, through online to in, on chain, but to a consumer, they don't have to spell NFT, they don't have to worry about where all this stuff is at. They just want to play the game. That's right, and like I think having that bridge, like that 2.5 where no one knows what's happening in the background, right. but the end result is what you ultimately right. want, like that's the most powerful piece of this. Yeah, so we, we love those use cases where, you know, really creative people think about how do we use NFTs to cross channels, that gaming is crossing channels, or intercompany collaboration, where because I've got a ticket to an event, then, you know, I can do a pre-event, I can do a post-event, the artist can engage with me, I can get open up a playlist on Spotify, I can go onto an e-commerce site that's associated to a sponsor and get some benefit, right? But to consumers, like, dude, it's just my phone number, and like, if I possess my phone, I get access. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, we, we were talking a little bit before, but if you could elaborate um, on some of the partnerships, the real use cases that have come about, um, you know, so far using this technology and maybe what's on the roadmap, that'd be great. No, great question. So, I would say we're still pretty early, so we're less than a year in. Um, the folks we've worked with have been mainly live events, um, but not just ticketing, right? So some of our NFT experiences, um, we've done a VC3 as kind of a venture capital 3.0, kind of a traditional venture capitalist operating as a DAO, doing investments. They had a, uh, a conference down in Puerto Rico that they kind of used our platform for the ticketing and some other kind of cool events. We did uh, Archive as a decentralized museum. Um, they had a, a big uh, VIP dinner at uh, South by Southwest a month ago here in Austin. Um, where they were doing kind of again kind of a, a live live NFT activation, um, which was really fun. Um, we did a big VIP dinner and uh, at NFT NYC. I can't say who because they also wanted us to do a really cool race car event um, at one of the next big race car events where they're doing kind of again an NFT event where it's uh, it's not the ticket to get in. It's a you're kind of alongside. If you get into this pavilion, then you get an NFT, which means it's kind of like a PO app. 
but then unlocks all sorts of stuff in there, but then also all the sponsors are gonna have kind of cool unlocks as well. So I'd say brands that are doing live events, um, um, a lot of ticketing, a lot of uh, concerts, a lot of kind of VIP gatherings is where we're seeing it. We love the gaming use cases. We're talking to a couple of people. We haven't deployed those yet, but the, the idea of this direct to engagement, um, everybody's loving. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. And and you guys are, are are ticket company agnostic. Like you can work with any Web three ticketing solution or any Web three and Web two solution. Yeah, across the board, right? Because it really doesn't matter from our perspective. We're providing scaffolding around phone numbers and phones. So if you're a ticketing company, don't care what chain you're on, don't care you know, what you're trying to do. We're just trying to simplify and accelerate the path for the consumer to get to that experience. It makes sense. It's a, it's a key sort of middleware uh, mm -hmm. solution and because there's a lot of these ticket companies that come about and have approached us about partnering in Outer Edge and, and, and they're all sort of different in their use cases, but fundamentally you get the benefit of adding, you know, gasoline or nitro to all those yep. solutions. So um, in, in a game where right now it's like who's going to be the winner? We don't know, but but you can win alongside whoever is sort of moving the ticketing part of the industry forward. So one of the things we say is uh, we don't care what wallet you use because we don't know what wallet's going to win. Like, in fact, there won't be one. There's no scenario like there's always multiple cloud providers, there's always multiple emails, there's always multiple phone. So there is no scenario where there's one wallet that yeah. wins. We don't know which wallets are going to win, and we really don't care. We don't care. We don't know which minting platforms are going to win, and we don't care. We don't necessarily even care what use cases. But what we do know is the phone will play a central role in all of them. It will. And when you go to these different types of events, you know some people don't necessarily want to go download another app. But like if you are able to just get the phone number and then immediately can yep. get things going a lot faster, you're 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 already getting over a big hurdle for a lot of people. So that's definitely a big advantage. But you know coming to something like consensus being able to come and meet and see everything that's going on here you know what is the vibe that you're starting to see within the market like what has you excited about the future of web3 yeah i think what i am really excited about web3 is the utility it's the unlock right so you're not seeing a bunch of you know coin you know getting pumped or this token getting pumped or um, you know this community for the sake of community like communities are great, but like what's the purpose? What's the objective? How are NFTs unlocking value and utility? So I say hearing a lot more, just honestly mature, grounded use cases for Web3 makes a difference in the real world, um, not just, hey, I'm gonna buy this token because I hope it goes up in the future, right? Which that's, that's where you get Ponzi schemes, that's where you get a lot of the pump and dump, and um, honestly where a lot of the manipulation has happened. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to hear about the, you know, how do we use NFTs in Web3 to power different experiences? Makes a lot of sense. Um, really cool to to learn more about yourself and, and Redeem XYZ. Um, I kind of answered the question by my statement, but how can people <laughs> learn more about Redeem and, and maybe follow what you guys are doing in the space, stay in touch with you? Yep, no, great. So yes, redeem.xyz is the website. Um, Tobias Rush on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, we'd love to connect with folks. All right, thanks a lot for joining us. Awesome, thank you. Hi everyone, this is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT, live at Consensus in Austin, Texas with Sebastian Bourget. How are you, my friend? Very well, thank you. Uh, it, it's lively here. Uh, what brings you to Consensus? It is, it is. So, well, at Consensus, I'm going to have a fireside chat tomorrow um, about like the lay of the land around like virtual real estate in the metaverse. I can assure you that metaverse is definitely not dead and there's a very active engagement from an ecosystem of builders, experience that keep launching. And we have some pretty big news this year. 
as like Sandbox will be opening the self-publishing towards the end of Q3, so we expect a lot of more experiences to be available, greater diversity of uh, content that people can engage with. We have ongoing land sales, there's just one that's been announced with Mega City 3. Avatar Collection, official one with uh, a great partner that always uh, come out and sell out. So well, things are going great and well, it's a chance for us to connect with the community, to connect with the builder, to uh, talk to the ecosystem as well. That's great. And you know, we just did see each other in New York at a very special Animoca Puerco event. And you brought the house down with the, the concluding uh, experience. It was a lot of fun. Richard and I were there. Uh, can you tell everyone about that partnership with uh, the dance community because it's so special and I think a good example of co-creating and, and sort of helping communities that have trouble monetizing what they do and creating long-term value. Exactly, so we're talking about the Wild Ones collection in partnership with uh, Dance Fight, which is like bringing like a street dancer um, to like the metaverse, like they have such unique like dance move, etc. And they often like participate in like battles and also they post on their social network more like Instagram and TikTok. The truth is like they even though they are very talented creators who are innovating in the way they move and like push forward like street dance, like they don't monetize this at all. And, and like even worse, like very often their dance moves are being copied. They are being integrated into like games like Fortnite, etc., without proper credit, without proper monetization. So, Dance Fight is like creating more like this web-free community movement for street dancer. They want like the creator to be rewarded and monetize the content they create and leverage all of their original skills uh, and moves to bring life into the matters. And so we have this collection of 3,000 avatars called the Wild Ones that like represent over 10 of like very popular uh, break dancers, street dancers. We launched that collection in Sandbox. The sale is ongoing. And we have uh, also an experience that is live where people who can play with those avatars, they can earn rewards in form of sand token and NFTs. And more than 50% of the revenues are generated from the sales is going directly to the dancers themselves. So it's a way to empower that community as well as like to bring much more like uh, emotion and life in the metaverse. Yeah, it was, it was an exciting event. And, and like, I was really struck by how so many of them have created dance moves that have been used by other influencers and got millions of views and they got no attribution at all. And now these avatars represent their dance moves. And they can say, this happened on the blockchain. I created that move, no one else did. So it's really cool. Um, and I'm glad that you were here in person to also witness, meet the creator, because at the end of the day, Yes, it is technology, yes, it is content, but it's also a very human adventure. Like, uh, that's at the center of it, like, if I can meet the creator and see them live, and then see them come into the metaverse, was something very important as well for us. Yeah, that, that kind of brings me to my last question, right? Um, we've had a lot of conversation about metaverse, and there's this debate, but is this about, like, big experiences, concerts that sort of hyped up and ticketed, versus more the day-to-day -day sort of experience of dropping into the metaverse. How do you sort of see that world now of sort of activity in the metaverse? And, and where do you see that going in terms of the more predominant use cases? So 
Over the next 10 years, I think like Metaverse will be part of our day-to-day -day life, but in various forms. At Sandbox, we started with entertainment, more like gaming, fashion, music, sport, yeah. media. Uh, and we want to make sure that like, this is very tangible for like more general mainstream audience. We can create an avatar and start accessing those experiences. But over time, more and more use cases will develop around education, uh, work and collaboration, uh, virtual <laughs> events, virtual shows, concerts and so on. What user will make up of it will really define at the end of the day what a metaverse is. This is a whole new format of entertainment, avatar-centric, and we're excited to see like tens of thousands of people already engaging on a daily basis, uh, like bringing life, connecting, making new friendship, and like, like showing that it's not just virtual, like people have real emotion, they make real friendship, they start to earn a revenue as creator or a user, and together we are defining that future of what a metaverse can be. I love that, and as I hear that, I reflect on sort of Outer Edge LA and how much of it has been a journey of discovery with our own community. And, and you know, people have feedback for what an event should be, a conference, right? And I just tell them, like, help us co-create it. Your ideas are our ideas, our home is your home. Um, and that's really how the event has evolved. And um, so glad to have you guys and Animoca Brands as a partner. Look forward to doing more with you in LA and appreciate uh, spending a few moments together today. And uh, we'll keep following all these amazing uh, adventures for Sandbox. Thanks for your time. I love it. I love that it's really focused on the community. So like hearing their feedback, building the conference with them, getting the chance to meet and live experiences like you saw at, uh, in New York with uh, Dance Fight and Wild One. That should be a great example for what for future. Oh, 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 I want to do a dance fight at Outer Edge. Let's do it. All right, let's All right. do that. Sounds good. Hey, everyone, again, this is Josh. I'm here with Richard. We co-host Edge of NFT, and we are live at Consensus in Austin, Texas, with a new friend we met out and about on the floor and want to get to know better. Um, this gentleman is named Matthew Harper at Snail Games USA. Matthew, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do over at that studio. All right. Well, my name is Matthew Harper. Um, I'm a huge gamer and I've been playing Snail Games games since I was 14 years old. It actually started with a game called Age of Wushu. And uh, from there, I just kind of fell in love with the company and the publishers behind it. So um, with what we're trying to do here at Consensus is that we're actually excited to announce uh, one of our newest titles called Project Hermes, which is going to involve Web3 uh, elements within the game and uh, as a company of over 20 years with 25 different titles uh, including titles such as Ark Survival Evolved that we've published we're excited to be a Web 2 company coming into Web 3. Wow yeah I mean you went through a lot of stuff quickly I just want to unpack that 20 years of history in in the gaming space multiple successful multi-million dollar titles um, you know titles have sold millions and millions of copies I'm really curious like why now? How did you kind of come up with this concept and what made you decide to, to take the leap and, and do something in Web3? We believe in blockchain, we believe in Web3, and the two core tenants that we're looking to have within Project Hermes is something called user identity and uh, user ownership, which is two of the things that we're hoping to include in our next title. So you, to sort of go, go into that a little bit more, I mean, so you have this fundamental belief, you've been watching the space. Um, it sounds like these are some functionalities that you thought could be 
better executed in Web3? Like, I'm just trying to understand, you know, why, why, why do something in Web3 as opposed to just continue doing what you're already doing really well? Well, while we've been doing very well in the Web2 space for a long period of time, uh, across a number of titles, Web3 particularly interests us because we, we like to stay on the cutting edge with new technology. I like what you brought up about user identity, and a lot of people can relate to playing games and you know getting all these great character buildups and weapons and everything else, and people really start to relate to the character in their game and, and doing that. How is it that you're going about and taking the approach of making sure that these users can truly have that identity and take that with them? Um, across either your games or, or across potential platforms. That'd be something I'd be excited to discuss with you at a later point in time. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us a little bit more about Project Hermes and some of the game mechanics in it that you can talk about. All right. Project Hermes, the space-themed survival sandbag, sandbox MMORPG, uh, is going to be launching on PC, and uh, it's going to be having a lot of cool concepts involving planets, exploration, uh, battles, building, and some other cool stuff that we're going to be coming out with pretty soon. Cool. And, and did you conceive of the game yourself? Um, what was sort of the process of coming up with this concept and, and what made this be your first choice of a Web3 game? It's a game that we wanted to see in the space. It's a game that we wanted to see built in this space in particular. So Project Hermes kind of combines everything that we've wanted to do uh, within Web3 and it also showcases our proprietary engine, Flexi. So as you've been building this out and you have a lot of great things you know, coming with it, for the users that have already used it, whether that's through your alpha, your beta, et cetera, how has it been received so far by those who have experience playing this great game? Well, Project Hermes, a consensus has actually been received extremely well um, by people across a variety of different brands and companies. Um, and we're just very excited to be able to showcase that here at Consensus. Very cool. And, and so when we look at your, your roadmap for the game, um, what are some of the key milestones coming up um, and uh, that folks can look forward to in terms of wanting to get more involved? Well, today's just the beginning because we're excited to announce the title, and announce the title that we're going to be having in this space and just saying, hey, look, we're a Web2 company looking into Web3. And we've been talking about Web3 for a little bit. Uh, I remember last year, the chairman, uh, our chairman, Shihai, had talked about Web3 at a particular game summit. So we're able to follow it up with that we're a Web2 company, we're here, and we're looking towards the future. Very cool. And anything specific in terms of the, the timeline that you can hit on in terms of what's next? I can't give you any information on the timeline at this exact moment, but I can tell you that it's something we've been working on for a while, and uh, we're excited to be able to share, show it and share, uh, share, showcase it to the community. Cool. Any, anything else uh, about the game, about the company that you think would be worthwhile for our listeners to understand? The history of Snail Games is actually very interesting. Uh, when you kind of delve into the history of what we do and who we are, uh, we've spanned over a number of different titles. For example, Age of Wushu is kind of like a take on ancient China, while Ark Survival Evolved is a game that, we, uh, that we're a publisher of that deals with uh, like a sandbox survival. So the variety that we're able to kind of uh, bring to the gaming industry has always been something that I've enjoyed talking about and something I've always enjoyed seeing. And as a company, uh, it's been some of my favorite titles growing up when I was a child. So just being into the games that you created and just dropping with Hermes, give us a little taste of like 
what kind of game is it? So are we talking an RPG? Is it uh, an MPG? Like what? How? What can people expect when they come in and start to enjoy this? We do survival games rather well, and I think Project Hermes is going to be definitely uh, a good take on the genre. So it's something we're looking forward to. So a cool survival game. Uh, we'll see if there's maybe some multiplayer and some other stuff in it. Uh, well, well, other. I guess another quick question for that is, you know. Where is this going to be based? Is it going to be PC? Is it going to be on mobile? Where, where can users potentially go and play this? We're looking at a launch at PC at this time, but uh, something I also can add is that it's going to be online multiplayer. It's going to be a downloadable game, so we're, it's not going to be a uh, web-based game. And it's, it's going to be one of our most exciting titles yet. Cool. Well, uh, I think this is a great example of, of what we've been seeing traditionally um, you know, not 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 necessarily be there is is Web two companies getting into the space. We've heard about a lot of it, but I don't think it's widely known. So it's just great to meet um, uh, a company like yours that's sort of getting into the space and, and trying new things and, and, and sees value in, in the Web three technology. Uh, excited to sort of uh, stay apprised of what you guys are doing. Uh, would love to let folks know where they can learn more about your company and this game and, and, and stay in the mix. You can learn more at snail.com. All right, guys, check it out, snail.com. Thanks, Matthew, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone again, this is Josh here live at Consensus, here with Richard on our side and Alex Kiyoki, the CPO, the Chief Product Officer at Near. And uh, we're having a conversation to get an update since we met with Ilya and Ethan. How are you doing, man? Great. I mean, energy's buzzing here. <laughs> Absolutely. It's definitely a uh, nice time in Austin. Not so hot yet. And, no. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's funny. All these LA guys like ourselves are, are here in, in Texas. What what brings you here? And, and, you know, what are some of the important updates that we show about uh, the big announcement that was made at East Denver? Uh, maybe you can kind of start from the beginning there. Uh, we'll assume that folks maybe didn't tune into that previous episode. Yeah, for sure. So uh, ETH Denver was super exciting for us. We went over there and we had a kind of a hypothesis for this, what we thought was a kind of a wacky idea of what if you could start taking blockchains up stack and decentralize the front end. So not just the back ends of the transactions, but your JavaScript, your hosting, right, your C CSS, your HTML, that, that experience layer. And we put out a prototype, which we wanted to bring together builders and super fans kind of into this two-sided market. Um, wanted to see how it went, just kind of classic product experimentation, and like the feedback we got where people was really excited. Um, we had a lot of people reach out to us, both like Web3 native builders, as well as Web2 brands, um, who wanted to keep learning more and like see what they could you know, utilize this new tech for. Yeah, and, and to give a little bit more context here, uh, if I remember correctly, I mean, this is a new operating system yep. that enables Web2 developers to use languages they're very comfortable with, right? Absolutely, yeah. So um, we call it the blockchain operating system because really the way we're thinking about it again is, is it's less about the background of the database level and it's more about that experience level. And that's what an operating system does for you, right? It creates uh, a kind of a set of technical standards and design standards and makes it really easy for users and builders to create new experiences, right? So you might think of like building an app on Android, right? And that's, that's a very common operating system that people like to build things. Um, we don't have that for the decentralized world though, right? Android is owned by Google. Apple owns, you know, Apple Store and the iOS system. 
And um, we all know that sometimes those incentives don't align the best. And so we kind of looked at this as a unique opportunity to create a new public good for the crypto ecosystem. Um, and yeah. I really like the concept of the public good. I think we kind of touched on that um, last time in our conversation. And, and what I think is really cool about what this ecosystem is, when, when a lot of people thought of near, they, they think about this layer one protocol, but it's, it's, it's so much more and you have so much more that you're building. Can you kind of just touch on like all of the amazing things that are that are still on the horizon for near? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely want to make sure I answered the whole thing runs on JavaScript too. So from you know your, your smart contract layer, to the front end, it's roughly a React-based framework. It's the most com you know, commonly used web app framework. Um, so that makes it super, super easy for people in Web 2 to get started, or even for you to take your existing Web 3 web application and decentralize it even more, right? In terms of other things that were uh, you know, coming with that, we really are, like, if you look at an operating system, there's many layers to it, right? So we described that application layer for your front end and then there's, of course, um, an authentication layer. So how do you bring a user in, right? And so something that we uh, kind of hinted to uh, at ETH Denver was this uh, new approach called FastAuth, um, where you actually no longer have the trade-off between decentralization and uh, ease of use. Right? So traditionally, you might say, hey, I need to bring a wallet in, but I got to download special software, seed phrases. That's pretty difficult, um, but it's decentralized. Or you can use something like Auth0 or Google Auth, and it's like really easy for a user to get started, but you've got the issues that you're dependent on like a Web2 service. We've actually looked at uh, the OS of different phones, and we're using the secure enclave of your phone to actually derive uh, a key, private key for you. So it's based off of the hardware of your phone, right? And then we allow you just through um, a web portal to use like a face ID or an Android pin or a fingerprint to then verify, right, ownership of that. And then we actually have an email recovery that works through a decentralized system, an MPC system that works with a few different parties today, but it's actually gonna be start to work on uh, the protocol itself as decentralized protocol over time. So we've, we've kind of crossed that chasm of where you can get started in a few seconds. You still own your keys, it's still your crypto, still your NFTs, right? But, you know, if something happens to your phone or you wanna log in on a new device, just get an email magic link that's not owned by one organization, it's decentralized. So we, we're really excited about that part as well. That's gonna be a live demo uh, tomorrow. So that's gonna be super exciting for people to start using on near.org. And then um, we also have launched uh, some new services behind that that allow for users to get started without even having crypto. So that we call these relayers. And these relayers allow for the developer to be like a patron of the user and pay their fees on their behalf. So a user can now, you know, starting the end of this week or early next week, go to near.org and log in instantly with this system that I talked about, not have any crypto, and start using decentralized applications on this, this new operating system. Wow, this is revolutionary when it comes to the onboarding conundrum. And, you know, it's not like people couldn't use their credit cards this past yeah. year. It wasn't like you know, there weren't opportunities for some of these things, but it's it's the elegance of piecing that all together in a, in a way that's seamless for big brands. Like I'm looking at the sign out there, uh, yeah. you know, we got Google, Nansen, Ledger, Brave Browser, MasterCard, yep. WeMade. Um, these are these are major players that are, are, are really represent trust and credibility for some of the experiences in, in our world that uh, people that are into blockchain use, but people that 
have no interest in, in blockchain necessarily used. And it sounds yep. like the use cases that are going to be possible here are going to be seamless for someone, whether or not they even identify themselves as, as a Web3 aficionado, enthusiast, power user. Right. Can you talk to some of the use cases that are sort of being conjured up or are being used by some of your partners right now? Definitely. And so, major improvement for you know Web2 brands trying to get into Web3. Um, so I can talk definitely some more about those use cases. We're actually seeing though within the Web3 native community, there's uh, especially the DeFi ecosystem, super excited reaching out to us saying, how do we decentralize our front ends and make it easier for users to get started as well. So to that point about the conundrum, it's, 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 you know, it's helping everybody who wants to get involved. Um, but getting deeper into the Web2 use cases, you know, I, I'm, can't go into like specific new names at this point in time, but some of the, like the general ideas is is in uh, like retail and luxury space. Um, there's a huge issue of um, you know uh, proof of authenticity of the goods, right? And having a, a, a profile around that, and then after that, they're facing a huge problem actually from existing tech companies from the Web two boom of places like Poshmark or the Real Real where those tech companies have created social marketplaces that are really utilizing the value of these goods and the communities of, of these goods makers and, the, and, and they're extracting value, right? As opposed to that value in the community who cares about the brand being able to run their own secondary authenticated marketplace, which doesn't exist today. There's a huge fraud issue actually on a lot of those secondary markets even as well because there's no way to prove that those goods are, are real. So that's a really cool use case that's coming up, uses NFTs in a, in a, a really awesome way. Um, we're seeing it also, you know, we talked about sale GP and sports. We've had other sporting opportunities that have kind of came, come our way as well. Thinking about those authentic fan engagements and because it's so easy to get started with, you can like scan a QR code, face ID, three seconds, decentralized identity, you can have kind of those moments in the game where you can just scan it right and like capture that play of that like last dunk or something like that or capture that play of that slap shot you know that made it in into the goal um and and that's just native right to the user experience of just like watching your favorite game right um there's been some other interesting ones as well in in uh, community and fan loyalty and thinking about because you know the the blockchain operating system has a major social part to it as well if you log in there's a feed there's you know comments there's identity um, bringing together that community commerce of, of thinking about, okay, like I really enjoy, um, you know, doing uh, exercise together with my friends at, you know, say your, your favorite, you know, uh, studio that might do that. And hey, you know, how do we actually get points together and then like sponsor each other to keep doing classes and keep being healthier together and win NFTs that might be redeemable for supplements or like lifestyle products, right? And so really, really just like seeing this, this explosion of, my summary of what I call it is actually community commerce. And, and I think that's like, if we look at the beginnings of where NFT started, um, I, this feels like the natural evolution. Yeah, I, I, I love that. That's a, that's a combination of words I, I've not heard in over 200 episodes of our show community commerce really resonates with me with that intersection of sort of e-commerce and web three with with sort of the decentralization aspect uh it's a very powerful combination of words my friend 
Thank you. <laughs> and seeing all the things that Nier is doing, building all that, I always like to see NFTs being that bridge really to, to Web 2. Yeah. Uh, it's the 2.5 because you see all these different use cases that are already being utilized, but they haven't had the infrastructure in place to really start to identify and track these things along be able to provide these loyalty programs, these DIDs, decentralized identities, yes. and everything else. And so now you can do authenticity. You now have a, a digital mark that can go with you across platform and in, in other ways, which is extremely powerful. And it's really cool to see that those innovations are, are really resonating with the web 2.0 crowd. So like as you're seeing more of the reception to uh, doing this, because this takes years to really see this, this pan yeah. out, how are you seeing more of these types of companies and institutions really embracing, like once they see like you're you know, creating this community commerce and these other things and they get excited about it, do you think that's gonna be like the next step as, as we look at the rest of 2023, as we go into 2024, is, is this the direction that we see the industry going? I, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's a promising one, right? Um, I think there's probably a, a bunch of cool directions, but I think this is definitely one that um, is starting to click for people. Um, I think what's interesting about this as well is that if you notice on the whole thing, we're not talking about the chains, right? And a lot of these different groups have actually come with different chains they have in mind that they care about minting the NFT or doing transactions on, and, and the boss is multi-chain, right? And, and I think we've always talked about, so, you know, rewinding a little bit, I was the VP of product at Kraken and was in open source Solana and open source ETH before joining Kraken. and, and uh, What's fascinating is we always talked about there being a multi-chain world, right? Uh, but chains are almost a little bit of like a religion for uh, us as well. And I think we've always had a reputation in Nier as being actually quite multi-chain friendly. And this is the first time that we're taking, I think the technology and putting it into a platform that makes it very, very easy for people to embrace that, right? And I think there'll be more things, coming back to your question, like there's probably more use cases that are even gonna come out from that because it's never been easy to do that before. But now, that's what I'm always humbled by, especially in open source development and communities, is like somebody will come out with something, something else and maybe even something better. And that's why we're excited to be here as well. Well, very cool. Uh, we're excited uh, about everything coming up and you guys have NearCon, um, I guess in November of this yeah, year? Yeah, November, yeah. Cool, so um, we're gonna do some more content together between now and then, so stay tuned folks at home. And uh, where can folks go to learn more about Boss, uh, maybe yourself, um, stay in touch with the Near community? Yeah, absolutely, so uh, go to near.org, the, the primary gateway, so we talk about gateways and near.org is one gateway for the boss. You can also run your own gateway, your own domain. Uh, but you, if you go there, it's got all the resources uh, about the boss. We've got lots of one pagers about all the different features we talked about. Uh, there's a whole community there. If you make an account, you can get involved with some of the different uh, application groups that are involved. Uh, it's a really easy search system as well. So you could just look up my name, Alex CH, and my Twitter, my Telegram, my profile's there. You can connect with me. Um, yeah, be happy to talk to anybody. All right, cool. So start by going to near.org and, and, and go down that rabbit hole. Thanks so much for spending some time with us and have a great consensus. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys, for having me. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.